Welcome to the Palm Court Podcast. Mike Palmer here. Happy, as always, to be joined by Grant Balfour and Hi. Megan Citron. Welcome to the show, folks. Hi. How's it going? There's a bass fishing team. Did you see this? Yeah, they're yeah. trying to start one, yes. Try to start a bass fishing team. And the location of the bass is about 50 miles inland from yeah. the campus, right? Right. There, there no- when you're fishing for bass, it's a freshwater fish, and the campus is on saltwater. Ah. So, yes, you'd have to go well up the Mayaka River. Interesting. Well, yeah. there you go. But anyway, we're back. A different county. A different county. Yeah, there you go. But we're back. The Palm Court podcast is going strong. I think we're about 10 episodes in now. We're uh, playing a little bit of catch up today where there's an older conversation. It turns out this episode was recorded on the night of the Oscars, the night of the infamous Will Smith slap where prior to that i think the champagne carpet was still in effect when we were recording Uh, grant and i recorded a proto episode of what has now become the palm court podcast it really wasn't the palm court podcast until megan joined i had no idea you guys were doing this because afterwards we were all on whatsapp processing the the oscars (laughs) will smith one of our big days of the year in our exactly Exactly, because we've stayed in touch. Part of why the flow is such that it is on this show is that we've been in pretty much daily contact on a WhatsApp group, and uh, that daily started in the pandemic. And why it started? It started as a March Madness pool in the pandemic. I think that's yes. important. Yes, yes, and this then is it's an been... outgrowth of new college athletics. After all, that's true. Although, although uh, it's none been... of us watch any of it, but we do comment on it. Oh. We don't. Stop us. Some of us. Well, it's all also been co-opted into more of an Oscar. I think there's always oh, yeah. a countdown. How many days until the Oscars? Well, the Oscars had been delayed, so we said let's keep this party going. And then Suzanne suggested let's make it let's make this an Oscars group, and that's yes. what it's been ever since as an Oscars yeah. group. All Although it's, year it's round. you know it's multi multi purpose. World it's Cup came in there at one point. Ec- ecumenical and it's Eurovision. Yeah, Absolutely. Eurovision's big. Yeah, very tolerant. Eurovision was huge. Exactly. But the episode today is with Troy Winfrey and Joanne Dramko. And uh, shout out to Troy, especially because his otter helped salvage the recording, which apologies in advance if the audio quality is not as high as it is for the other episodes. But Grant, I know you brought these folks into this conversation. You know, Megan, we both, I knew Troy a little more than I knew Joanne, but they were, they overlapped with us a little bit. They were a few years ahead of you, Megan. Mm -hmm. But there, you've been in regular contact with yep. them. You still play role-playing role games. Playing games. Yep. Exactly. Can you catch us up a little bit on your recollection of the conversation and your connection to how you would describe Troy and Joanne? Describing Troy and Joanne is uh, difficult. You know, we're all different breeds of role-playing nerd. And one of the things that I really wanted to get the conversation more into maybe was the band that they were in together at new college which was kind of seminally aw- awful was that the righteous surfux i forgot that that was the righteous surfux f u with an umlaut i X. swear i yeah, i've mentioned this in the past this podcast yes. is better than prevagen mm-hmm. i swear like yeah. things that i thought i completely forgot suddenly come into yeah. crystal clarity. And am I correct that the other members other than Joanne and Troy were Ken Clem and I think Charlie was the drummer? Charlie was the drummer. Ken Clem. Charlie, who lives here in Spain. Was, yeah. We see him on Oh, yeah, that's boat. right. That's right. Yeah. What's Charlie's last name? Gear? 
Yeah. Gear. Gear. Okay. But you can find him on Instagram as El Americano, Los Americanos. Um, yeah, he has a he he's a writer and he has yeah. a whole persona. Brilliant writer. Ooh. He's a really yeah. great writer. Maybe a potential future guest. I don't know. This That's is nice. Yes. His, his magazine thing on on the gun in the house is great. I don't know. I like okay. when you bring this stuff up, Grant, because then I assume it'll be in the show notes in some capacity. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the register fucks Troy played throat is how he said it. He did not say he sang. Yeah. Kind of well, didn't. Punk rock. Yeah. 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 Carnal. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very carnal. A lot of meat. A lot of meat in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But he also was kind of the founder of the Facebook group, Damon. So. Mm -hmm. Involved with the alum, he was on the alumni board at one point. Interesting writer, blogger, um, like he's been, he's yeah, done work kind of as a cons consultant in UX yeah. design and like yeah, exactly. an interesting work for sure. So it's cool mm -hmm. to get him. And then Joanne has an interesting background as well. And I we'll thought her background was interesting because she's yeah. similar to Steve with the arts and the sciences yeah, right. and all yes. mixed up together. Yes. And also getting out on her own, like as a consultant in environmental design yeah, her own practice a, I, I don't think it's her own practice she works with people that is like a consulting firm but i mm -hmm. think it's small mm -hmm. but yeah and still she also does does painting and stuff on them yeah on the, on the side she has shows every now and again yeah. any thoughts on what she picked up out of the conversation I, I thought it was really interesting how many things you know this was sort of a proto podcast conversation before we started talking to all these other people but so many of the themes that came out later were right there in the mm -hmm. beginning um, with the being self-directed and joanne kind of going to the school and explaining her special case and finding a home in another place um you know because of how different her background was and you know kind of negotiating i think that comes up in in this conversation just negotiating great situations for yourself because you had to do that at new college and and telling your story and mm -hmm. I, I thought that was i thought that was really interesting i also liked how you called having a fifth year a badge of honor which i haven't ever heard anyone <laughs> spin it quite like that that was entertaining yeah i still like to say i was on the accelerated five-year plan but, i was uh, a four and a half so yeah I'm kind of in between that's like I a half lingered. half badge yeah, I graduated and just stuck around a little too long. I was happy that you brought role playing in. That was a real powerful cultural element really throughout our time at New College. There were like the Dungeons and Dragons. There was the Dungeons and Dragons crew. Dave Goldfarb yeah. in particular is the guy we're trying to get back on the show because he's kind of parlayed that into a, a pretty incredible career, pretty in, career yeah. in gaming and game design. Not too dissimilar from Shannon, Shannon. Ingalls, yeah. who we yeah. had on. Recently, but anything else jumped to mind for you around this conversation? And then we'll get into it so folks can hear it. Actually, what jumps out to me is not this conversation per se, but like those are, I think of myself as like not exactly old guard, but you know, medium guard, whatever, during the merger. Yeah. But I signed on to do some mentoring for new current students. Yeah. And, I have, and I've been matched with this guy who's like basically turning new college into a role playing game. Like that's mm. his thing. Mm. There's this thing called map gaming, which I'm trying to suss out. Like it's kind of strategy gaming where you make up your rules depending on your context. It's hmm. it sounds a little larpy to me. Stuff no. is it, is it larpy? It's not a larpy per se. It's more like creating simulations within a rule set. So you're not going out like putting on a costume and like I am sword fighting or whatever. It's oh. like okay, you are at New College. Here is your the political structure, whatever. Like 
there are these professors who have power and you want to exert your influence ah. here. Like what kind of things do you have to roll dice to do? I see. What, what does success look like in this surrounding? Just and to so clarify, you're not prevented from dressing up. Like if I wanted to LARP while map gaming, that's I would okay. I would, Im I would imagine if there was some sort of faction of LARPers yeah. that became important to whatever strategy you were trying to. Right. I might enact. need to. I might need to do like a saving throw roll to make sure I'm not ostracized for dressing yeah. up to LARP all by myself. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Are the power dynamics of this hostile takeover part of the game or is it completely independent from that? Oddly, this student is like not, we don't talk about it. Mm. It's just not a thing. Like he's mm -hmm. like, oh, I live in a hotel. It's all right. You know, sometimes it's... they'll see his roommate kind of walk by him in the background, you know. I'm not supposed to have a sandwich up here, but, you know, I do. Which is fine. Oh, my gosh. I don't I don't mean to get at least at, kudos to you for mentoring folks. And it sounds like there's some interesting that we do want to get students on. Like, I think we're starting yeah. to get wider and wider representation. It was great getting to talk to recent grads, but it's got to be even more deep on yeah, multiple like levels. This, yeah, This guy's a second year. So, like, mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. definitely sh shaping his experience I'm in a sure. way that our experience was not shaped. Yeah, like maybe Steve Jacobson went through something like this because he mm. was during the merger, mm. right? He signed yeah. up right before, and then the merger happened. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think it was him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so it's the same kind of like ground shifting under your feet kind of thing. I think yeah. is going on. Only he is the goldfish who was in the water, right? But at least he has better uh, role playing games. That yeah, he can definitely. See, yeah, it's like, like, it's like a coping, selection. coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It might not be better. That's true. Old Are school. you giving them career advice? Because that's one of the things that comes up in this discussion, how we had none of that, no, uh, none, in, none whatsoever. In theory, career advice. Although most of my career advice has been, dude, you got to figure out ways to get this role-playing game stuff on your resume because it yeah. counts. Yeah. Like we talked to all these successful gamer yeah, guys right. who are like, you know, Shannon makes games for a living. She mm. make, writes them. Yeah. Silent Hill just came out, the new mm. one. Mm -hmm. yep. That's her thing. That's looks. There's a well. real career path. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm what I guess that would be under the techne categorization yeah. is when they start running video gaming workshops. I bet they would. You know, it does feel like things have kind of moved in that direction. Any concluding thoughts on this show? Because we're going to also include some of this as its own standalone episode. But any other? Final thoughts before we share the conversation with Troy Winfrey and Joanne Dramko. For, for me, I hope it like opens a, a little door on the vat of new college bands. Yes. I was going to say it's nice, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily nice, but it's a way of going back in time because this all happened at the, at the beginning of the takeover. And um, I think, you know, so many of the things that they say in this episode are, are still relevant and we're yeah. also quite prescient and i think at the end troy has a kind of salvo about <laughs> what to do that i thought was pretty interesting awesome okay folks we hope you enjoy look at that look at how technology is our friend here in 2023 this is mike palmer joined by three fellow new college alums of some fashion in no particular order, going 
I guess, counterclockwise within the Zoom room that we're in. I'm joined today by Troy Winfrey, Joanne Dramko, and Grant Balfour. Welcome, all of you, to the conversation. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. We mentioned a little bit before we started recording, I'm class of 88. All of you joined New College prior to me. So first off, much love and respect to my elders who are, who are joining me today. But this is a little bit of an oral history exercise. We're trying to understand how people remember New College, how that reconciles or doesn't reconcile with what we're all seeing and hearing today. Uh, and then also, you know, if there are any ways in which we can help support each other through the challenges of the current situation at New College, this is also why this format is here for us. I'm going to kind of leave it open-ended. I don't know if any of you wanted to provide some opening thoughts, but we're talking also in response to the DeSantis administration's replacement or installment of six trustees, six members of the board of trustees who have been pretty systematically dismantling some aspects of New College that many of us hold dear. It is part of the culture war, whether we wanted to yeah. be in this conversation or not, we're in it now because our small college under 8,000 graduates in its history is certainly front and center in a lot of the conversations that are out there today. Thoughts from any of you? First, did you see that we made Yahoo Finance today? Did you see that? We were in, we were in Yahoo Finance. That's nice. It's so ridiculous. Like like the financial news is talking about New College as a, a an indicator of DeSantis's presidential style. And it's all about the, the intricacies of the, of the foundation, that how the foundation relates to the college and how the foundation's not going to pay Corcoran's salary, but it's going to try to funnel money into them somehow. Yeah. This is a, this is a huge issue for higher education. And it, it's really kind of a locus of a lot of things. The, the balance between private and public higher education, the foundations that support a lot of public education, which has always been kind of uneasy and, and people have just sort of agreed not to look into it too hard. And basically the idea of alternative education in and of itself, which I, is, this might be it. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking the new college may end up being a lot more significant than it might look at first glance. What do you get to do with a gift after you've given it? it how, how do you um, designate gifts and so on for nonprofit use? How does that change? And, and again, areas of law that have largely been ignored mostly, but uh, may come into focus. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's just sad that our name is getting out there, but for all the reasons. <laughs> Yeah. I'm on the West Coast uh, in San Diego, and, and I have people asking me about New College because they saw it in the news, not because I went to school there or, or any of the other wonderful aspects of it. It's surprising, you know, because it is my experience in terms of the reputation of New College is that when people know about it, they generally have a good impression because they've probably worked with a few of us. You know, 7,500 is a relatively small number, but considering the circles that people wind up moving in. I have run into quite a few folks who have met or known someone who went to new college. And generally speaking, that's a good thing. There's a little bit of a halo effect because like, Hey, I knew some, yeah. I knew someone who seemed all right, you know, and, and it also seemed, you know, my recollection is very much of 
critical thinkers, people who don't necessarily, you know, I was saying the other day, you know, the internal gyroscope, people who are sort of following their own direction, which is very consistent with the academic philosophy, which is, you know, in the final analysis, the students responsible for his or her own, you know, educational journey, which, you know, when you're 17 or 18 and you're just on campus, like we're kind of, uh, holy rollers to a certain extent. Like we're very, at least my recollection was that that academic philosophy became something that I felt very personally passionate about. And I think that's probably true for a lot of us really throughout our lives. When you reflect back on your undergraduate experience, for me, that it was at like a mission-based, you know, somewhat intentional academic community. Yeah. That's something that's a good way to put it. <laughs> somewhat intentional, you know, but it's, it's pretty deep, you know, and I, I think since we overlap, there's probably some cultural elements where, you know, it's very much a product of the late eighties into the early nineties and all the cultural phenomenon that were happening then that's very different than what students are, are seeing and feeling today. But I certainly feel for students. Did any of you see the interview of students that was on, I think it was on MSNBC. MSNBC. Yeah. Alex, Alex Wagner's interview. Yeah. It was pretty inspirational to see the students talking then. It did take me back and it did seem yeah. like there are elements to, you know, being an 18 or 19 year old new college student that haven't necessarily changed. They certainly had some, some sense of like mission and belief in, I guess the student led aspect of the academic philosophy. Joanne, I know you were mentioning before you're in industry a little bit, you're hiring people. And one thing that was interesting that Pat Oker brought up to me a while back was how new college in some ways inspired an entrepreneurial mindset mm -hmm. and, and like a, an ability to kind of start new things. Does that resonate with you? Any, any thoughts on that? Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that because actually the panel that I was just talking about for UC Santa Barbara, one of the reasons they picked me was because they were looking for people that had switched careers either within, I'm in the environmental consulting planning industry in California, right. regs galore, I'll be employed forever. And I went to new college intentionally too, because of, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do fine arts or science. So I wasn't attracted to the big schools, FSU and Gainesville. I'm sorry, Stu. But I wanted to be in charge of my own education. And I took science. I was on two tracks. So I took all the science classes and I took all the fine arts classes. I ended up writing a thesis, doing a show in fine arts, doing an exhibit and writing a thesis, which you don't normally do in undergrad for fine arts. But I also kept all the organic chemistry and physics and I took all the science classes because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. They had environmental science there. I did take a couple of those, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So when I graduated, I just moved to Los Angeles. Um, didn't know anybody, but yeah, so I, I'm Florida. I'm 21 or 22, just got in my car and drove to LA and made my way out there. And I thought I would try fine arts first before I went back to science for whatever reason. So I did that and I started my own, I was just self-employed for about eight years doing graphic design and toy design. I'm a mm. painter, but I. Oh, those are yours. Our yeah, listeners may not be able to working. see that, yeah, but there's no, some nice art in the, yeah. 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 The That's hers. 
But anyway, so I kind of got burned out on that after about eight years. So this new school, UC Santa Barbara, opened a new master's program for environmental science and management, and it was cross-disciplinary, which attracted uh, me to it. And, you know, I was like, I went over there and talked to with them. I was like, hey, I got my arts degree, but I took all these prereqs. And they're like, hey, just take a couple more prereqs, take your EREs and apply. And they loved me. Like, they were like, oh, you know, they wanted to see people from different backgrounds. And, you know, I picked it up and I got my master's and, and then I started my career in environmental planning. So that's, you know, you analyze environmental impacts of new development. So that's what I've been doing for the past 22 years or so. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, just being able to to shift and kind of roll with the punches and create your own career, I think that was really part of the new college mindset. We create our own path. Right. Yeah, and I do feel like a lot of us got out into the job market, well, probably underprepared because there certainly were no... I, I would say they wish they had more economics class at New College. Yeah. I mean, it's a real shift now. Now they build a lot, like uh, you're assigned a career counselor prior to even your first day on campus. There's someone who's helping you understand what you may find um, on the other side. But it is interesting as a latchkey <laughs> generation... Right. Yeah. You know, we were in mm -hmm. some ways left to our own devices to kind of sort it out. And then also this was the the slacker decade as well. So if you didn't fully understand what was next for you, in some ways, that was a signal that you got it, you know, because you didn't yeah. necessarily yeah. want to sell out. I, I mean, I do think one of the, the metrics that, that has really kind of hurt new college is if it prepares graduates for anything it's for spending a year afterwards going what the hell just happened yeah and um and kind of where am i what way am i going to make and then i'll for like a good percentage of us it's kind of a really interesting way mm -hmm. i keep running into people like in the strangest places that yeah you know but being able to write and yeah locally and just assess information or different ways, no matter what you were interested in when you were 18, you know, it changes during the course of your life. And that was attractive to me because you're not just like, oh, I'm a pre-med and that's your track. And if you decide later, that's too bad. You've just wasted all that time. So, you know, taking the multi cross-disciplinary classes and being able to create your own curriculum without having to, I have to take these core classes. I mean, was really great i feel like i should say like you said sorry Stu, early on like i feel like you should explain that we usually like this this time of day we're usually playing geeky role-playing games this is another slot yeah college guy is like a director of telehealth uf now it's like a high up administrator it's kind of crazy like what a weird gig to wind up in like the year before covid hit Right. Nor did, so nor did he go like, straight there. So, yeah. Like, right. Not a straight yeah. path there. So, not a straight path there for him, for sure. He took yeah. like eight years to get his undergrad and then he got his grad like a year after or something. Yeah, yeah right away. Yeah, but that's another part yeah. of New College's history. Yeah. It was almost a badge of honor to, to take a, a little longer than four years. And then that turned into some cautionary tales yeah, about longer. Bye. Five years? Yeah, I was on a five-year. I, I can say and it now. He went to FAU to finish, right, Graham? Yeah, he went. He finished at FAU. A lot of people finished. Like, that's the legal definition in the alumni charter 
of an alum is somebody who just spent a semester at the school because people right. pass through. Right, and that was when we started the Damon. We had we wanted right. a clear right that you didn't have to graduate as long as you attend. Yeah, yeah. that kerfuffle. Yeah, and and nowadays actually five years is standard at uh, traditional four year yeah. colleges. When push comes to shove, yeah. it, it's shifted a lot since then. The the interesting thing, like thinking back on it, the college in hindsight. The college was probably at its lowest point ever in history around 1985 or 1986. The, in terms of finances, they were under-resourced. Even if they wanted to provide career counseling, they didn't have anybody there who had a clue. Was that when they started to be affiliated with USF? It had been a couple of years by then. Yeah, it had been a couple of years by then. But, you know, USF didn't pay them or anything. And so um, we shared the campus. Mike's class was interesting because it was much larger than mine's and and seemed more vital and kind of, you know, unusual. Seemed to be some sort of turning point. But that's anyhow. um, I remember uh, when I graduated and went to the career counseling office, I was given a manila folder, which contained a flyer to become a teller at Burnett Bank. (laughs) Mm. More than I got. That was literally You should have been grateful. Yeah. Any career counselor at all. You had your guidance. I mean, guidance counselor. Who was your spot? Like your, who was your, uh, your thesis sponsor? Your academic sponsor. Yeah. Or academic, like the person Knox. that signed your things every year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember career counseling at all. Yeah. They, no. they didn't. And so the thing is, I was, uh, I have a, Famous uh, indie consultant whom I love. Um, and uh, he's kind of like a, a new college type, certainly. Uh, Venkatesh Rao. And absolutely brilliant. You can look him up. Uh, his Ribbon Farm blog is incredible. And um, he does a lot of work with uh, CEOs and so forth. But when he graduated, he applied for a job consulting with McKinsey. And he didn't make it through the second interview. And he he felt profoundly grateful. He thought that they were both relieved because when it came down to it, people at Harvard and people who go to join McKinsey, McKinsey's full of what he called grinders. They have been raised since birth to follow a pattern to succeed. And it yeah. is a complex pattern. It is a pattern that is expensive and difficult and, you know, God knows what, but it is a pattern. And a lot of them figure it out. And so then that's what they do. And most kids at New College have no idea that this pattern even exists, yeah. much less want to try it, right? They don't come from the right class, you know, whatever, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Country, it's easier in New England to, to see what this pattern is, but in any event. So the administration didn't have it either. And so, of course, they are the most valuable if they eventually stumble onto it. And so if you brought that forward a little bit, you know, doing the things, not the pattern, the grind pattern, but the, the alternative so that they would end up like Venkatesh around sooner rather than later. Right. Be but they've struggled with articulating that for years because they don't have anybody involved who knows that. Hmm. It's interesting. It reminds me of Todd Rose out of Harvard Graduate School of Ed. He wrote a book called The End of Average, which is basically how you can't, you know, one size fits none. You can't really learn things from averages. But he just wrote a, a his most recent book is called Dark Horse, where he, he basically contrasts the standardization mindset with the dark horse mindset. And this seems right in line with what you're talking about 
Troy, where the idea there is to, you know, in some ways embrace your own quirks and idiosyncrasies as your superpowers. And at least from a, a cultural, you know, whatever we would call like campus culture, like that did seem to be part of what it was like to, to be there. You know, you, you learn to both tolerate and embrace difference, but also like find your own uniqueness and then kind of build the rest of your identity out from there. And that's something that I will forever be grateful for rather than if I was in a more homogenized, standardized culture, uh, either I would have given in and become part of the Borg, or I would have not fit and probably had a hard time, harder time feeling that sense of belonging that is now very much what people talk about when they talk about, you know, a university experience. I'll put in a vote for Dark Horse. I read that a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's fantastic mm -hmm. um, to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you guys think about the mission? Which which feels it feels almost cheesy now when I see you know in the final analysis, the students responsible for his oh. or his or no, no, but, yeah, but, no. but at the time, we all just were kind of bought in, and that philosophy then extends to there's no grades and everything's written and there's a thesis defense and there's an emphasis on teaching among the professors. There was a real like intellectual culture. Right? Uh, easily identified at other colleges too, I think. Uh, I, might have, I feel like I had more friends in other places, other schools in state than a lot of people did. Like I would drive off to Gainesville when the campus got too insular for me. Like I'm tired of seeing my ex-girlfriend every day. I need yeah. to go away. Yeah. So I'll just go up the road to Gainesville and stay with some friends there. But we kind of had a rep as this weird, you know, parcel yeah. of lunatics that, from Sarasota. Like, I can see where certain elements of today's culture would get the woke indoctrination thing. I think we were maybe indoctrinated, but it was not to whatever they're talking about. It was to, in the final analysis, every student is responsible for his or her own education. I just think like in today's climate, that seems like such a stretch that you would allow an 18-year-old to be responsible for their... I think yeah. in any climate, really. Grant, your your kids are around that ish age. You know, yeah, staff, I'm, right? yeah my, my, my son's looking at military academies now. He's probably going to wind up in the Air Force. Mm. As an as an officer, like it was at her new college, and I was like, okay, you know, and it's just kind of following where. Yeah, I mean, I don't think my parents really got they um, they didn't understand. They just it was yes, and yeah, it's cheaper than Duke, so yeah. Yeah, so here, yeah if your parents taught at Black Mountain, you know, they got it. If they were one of the Bauhaus refugees, yeah, oh yeah, they'd be all over it. But I think, you know, it's it's really a it's not a baby boomer idea, but they're the ones that ran with it with yeah. complete unfettered freedom, which comes with responsibility. You know, a lot of other late night hand waving. New College used to belong to an association of alternative colleges and schools. And, right. and I was hung over on Sundays. Sometimes I would go into the office and read all these old publications that people had sent New College, like from the 70s and on up. It was fascinating. And a lot of them just slowly dropped away. And New College mm -hmm. was always the 
most rigorous, the most prestigious, and shockingly best funded of all these schools. Mm-hmm. They're all gone now. They're hanging on by their fingernails. Mm-hmm. You know, if Antioch is still around, they keep closing and reopening. Evergreen and Bard. Those are the only other two I rem- I can even think of. St. John's. I remember giving a girl from St. John's a tour of the campus when she was considering transferring and talking about the Great Books Program. Mm-hmm. Right. She's, she's well, cute. also, over the years, the core curriculum, there was more of a, there was more structure prior to, like, I, I think the late 80s, early 90s was about as unstructured. Yeah. Like, there, there really were no requirements. You needed to get a contract. And that was pretty much it. And that was especially for the ISPs, right? Anything. Yeah. 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 It was was teaching you. You were learning how to negotiate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really think that's that's more more the big bigger lesson than anything that I learned in an ISP. That's how to get somebody to sign off on a thing. That is something that has served me well through the years. I can tell you a lot about Bantu mythology, but I'll tell you the most important thing that I learned about Bantu mythology was how to get a macroeconomics professor to sign off on that. That's hilarious. Joanne and I were involved with an ISP that was used as a cautionary example. Don't do this afterward. (laughs) We got a poor professor, Aaron Edidin, who was in the psych department to sign. Mm -hmm. And at a reunion, I, you know, I apologized. I was like, I'm sorry. You know, and he was like, no. That was one of the best ISPs I ever sponsored. And I was like, really? Our final performance, which we dragged you to at midnight. And Charlie throwing grapes at you. I don't know why. So the whole, the ISP, I don't even, I don't remember how we structured the pitch, but it was basically to play in our band for a month. Mm -hmm. I think it was a spontaneous performance of popular rock music, something like that. We we pressed it up. We gave it a lovely title. Yeah. You probably had a paper with it too, right? Yeah. How long was yeah. the paper? The show I thought was the show. Was yeah. the show. Performance I thought was the piece. That's pretty good. I don't, I wouldn't do no paper. Believe me, I wrote enough papers in English. So I was like, uh-uh, we're not doing think I wrote a, No, I don't think we wrote a paper. I think it was the performance. We, had we absolutely write, did. Right. Did we write anything new? No, I don't think we wrote anything new. We wrote a few new songs. Well, actually, Chris Sizemore wrote a few new songs, and then I put lyrics to them. Were you there, Michael? Did you see that show? I don't remember that show. I would have liked to have seen it. I still, I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about some of my ISPs because it's still like you know you have those dreams that you didn't actually graduate. I'm concerned that right. someone may be listening, and I will lose credit for one of my ISPs. One of them was we did an improv troupe. We were called Funny, Funny, Funny. It was a fake improv troupe. And we recorded like a fake documentary about a really bad improv troupe. And I think I did have to write a paper just to get. Yes, well, started doing all of his. To get Dave, Dave Mullins to, to sign off on my ISP. So, and if, if he hears this, thank you, Dave, for your kind <laughs> auspices in that context. The interesting aspect to all this, and it's come up in a couple different ways, is like, I think this environment, it works for people who can get through it. It's way too high a bar for what we really want out of higher education. And as much as I'm, a, I'm not a fan of social promotion, there is an element of do a minimum amount of work, get out into the workforce, and there's more kids behind you. Let's let's keep the line moving. New College is right. very much not that. It was a there were a lot of people who couldn't make it over, and they certainly couldn't make it over in time. There were stories of people who would take seven, eight, ten years 
did make it kind of okay to just hang out. How long did Rick Doblin take? He's class of 71. And he, grad- he graduated after I did, I think. Graduated when I did. Really? Yeah, so 91, 92, yeah. something like that. So that's 20 years. Dropping right? in, dropping out, you know, I mean, then doing that. He built the, ra- he built the racquetball courts that we had, which are not right. there anymore. Oh, yeah. But he, right. he founded a construction company in between the time when he entered New College, kind of dropped out and maybe took a few. Graduated in 91-ish? 91? Yeah. Graduated in 90, Grant? And then... I was 90, yeah. I was 90, but I was around on campus for another year, trying yeah. to figure out what the hell to do with my life. Stuart was still on campus. So were you just still living in that room? I was not living on campus in 91. I was living off campus. <laughs> I was there, like Merlin Mann had graduated with me. He was still like living around town. I think Mike Ferguson was still living around town. A couple other people were. It's like, I don't know. what. I majored in hermeneutics. What am I going to do with that? You're going to understand things, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read some texts. Some some verse to hand. Uh, Yeah. Got to get my Gesamtkunstwerk on. (laughs) Exactly. I've explained it to people as like going on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Any one of you can go with a check, go into the Mercantile Exchange and start betting on hog bellies or orange juice. Yeah. You don't need any kind of accreditation, anything like that, but you best watch out. Or it's like going to the Grand Prix, a Formula One Grand Prix, and they give you some keys and they're like, okay, that's your car over there. You can do 270 miles an hour. Watch that last turn because it's really tricky on the inside. Now go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people did, and a lot of them had 70s style, you know, end over end fireball crashes. Yeah. People just vanished. Yeah. But it had a high variability of outcome, which, um, you know, an investor will tell you is not what you Yeah. For example. Yeah. A lot of the generational stuff says look at age, period, and cohort effects. So, like, at a certain point in your life, at an age, something's going to happen. And there's a cohort mm-hmm. you're kind of experiencing this with, and then that's within the broader period that we're living in. I think there's some elements of this that I'd be curious. This is why this has like a, a new vehicle to talk to people who weren't in my proximity on the space-time continuum, like going to new mm-hmm. college, like how much of what we remember and what we believe is true of like the really old heads, you know, those who were there. Mm-hmm you know, charter class and early seventies, all that. And then what the cultural experience has been like and what the academic experience has been like in the last, you know, really this century, okay. you know, cause it's been 20 years now since, you know, cause I, I would imagine things have gone through some shifts. I've met a few folks across the timeline. I don't know how about the, the rest of you, have you connected with other Novo collegians either yeah, oh, yeah. From back so in the long day. Last week, actually, you think roughly. Uh, Eric is a great person down in St. Pete. I got to know a lot of perspectives when I was involved so heavily with the Damon, mm. uh, different positions mm. and whatnot. And there, you know, it's like anything else, there's some deep commonalities, with the exception of the charter class, which really is an anomaly. Mm. Really is. They were, they were sort of a Fort Foundation slash Rancorp, a superman of the future, great society kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's like the right stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That just didn't happen. You know, we are going to train a generation of leaders that will lead America into the future. Industry, religion, you know, whatever. No, they didn't. And and they were kind of supermen. I mean, they were yeah. fantastic class. But after that, it, it uh, reality intruded kind of quickly. 
Well, what about the demon then too? Because that is an interesting dimension to the conversation now where, you know, I've mostly been off Facebook, but these shenanigans have kind of pulled me back in. And that's also drawn me back to the demon, which is something you started, Troy. I remember. Yeah. And uh, can you describe what it is? Maybe a little bit of the history of that. And I know... um, Grant, you're now one of the mods. I'm still in the admin box. Yeah. 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 So maybe flesh it out a little. Yeah. It started with a post that just kind of came spilling out of me, you know, explaining to some of the younger students, well, you know, the campus looked like a used ashtray while we were there. We didn't have steps, you know, and there was literally a place we would jump off the wall in second court to get And they have all these steps there now. It's just, it's crazy. It's like a real, real place. And so, all these people started jumping in and sharing similar experiences. And then it just, it snowballed from there. Uh, Troy, you started it, or at least one of the reasons you started it. And there had been like shits and starts of mm-hmm. NSF trying to do their own group right. site. And, and it just never took off. And right. then I thought, Troy, one of your main goals was to do like a job board, like for senior yeah. A career Pick some problems you know bring a little you know not to blow my own horn a little bit more competence than we were seeing in the space to the space and uh you know consultants disease so anyway um and it was more inclusive too right i thought that was another yeah. than like it was if you'd done it right and you know i i it burnt me out and i pulled back and um one of a, a very prominent alum reached out to me about a year after i had Gone back and he's like, Look, we need you to come back. And uh said, No, I'm just I'm the guy who yells at the team on the radio now. Classic <laughs> new college fashion, you know, it started with your idea of doing career support from senior alums to newer people because new college doesn't really have that. Nothing. And then like a classic new college form, it just sort of like became everything and every for, to everyone. And it right. was group therapy for a while. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, a lot of people <laughs> learned some painful things, you know. Of- the hell happened. <laughs> it was also, I mean, part of that, part of that's probably what was happening on Facebook and in Facebook groups over this period of Maybe, time. Because yeah. I also saw, you know, some of the stuff that's happening in Slack. And I feel like every time I'm with a group of people in Slack, the conversation moves in a certain direction. There is a little bit of... right you know, platform determinism. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. There definitely is. And like, that's why I was, it's just, I find Facebook to be just, it's overwhelming, even for a relatively small school, the amount of stuff that can be churning through there to the point where. And the heightened reactions. Yeah. Yeah. The emotionality. Yes. Yes. Younger generations too have a different relationship to posting on social media than older people. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing an increasing tendency that you should never say anything serious on social media, that that's the point of thing. And I found out rather late in the Damon tenure when I was pulling out what was left of my hair was they had an interior chat system that somebody had created in New College that the students had adopted. They jumped on it with both feet. And so they would chat back and forth anonymously with each other at all hours of the day and night. And it was horrible. It was like 4chan. And they would all go in and it was just, it wasn't even, you know, like first, and it just, it really wasn't funny. And that's how they 
began to see social media and communication and and yeah what i'm saying it just toxic and corrosive mm-hmm. you couldn't mod something like that even if you wanted to right just spilled over right and i was you know keep the community as big as possible because splintering it was the problem right right and, right yeah i, I just couldn't do it death the point and this is a whole nother conversation but I think that New College was uniquely vulnerable after years of neglect to dissent. Yeah. And it starts at the top and goes all the way down. Mm-hmm. Part of it, you know, I'm, I've got some conflicted feelings, but I'm really staying out. Yeah, I was hopeful about the new president. It seemed like she came in a little late and she seemed like she was moving things in a good direction. But it was above and around her there was not enough support there was a vulnerability here that DeSantis who's also a bully you know it's vulnerability mm-hmm. it's like a small school that is kind of low-hanging fruit for them yeah. and he's got to yeah. be it's it's got to stick in his craw you know that it is that reputation you were talking about Grant like it's still there like you know even within Sarasota between Sarasota and Ringling you know, it is like the artsy, it's mostly aging artsy set, but they allow for some like young, you know, hippie art scene to exist in Sarasota. But, you know, once it's on Tallahassee's dime, once it's really funded <clears throat> by an increasingly conservative legislature, you know, state government. Yes. Yeah. The <laughs> writing is kind of on the wall. But then for it to be like so blatant, the thing it reminds me of uh, when Trump was saying he could shoot someone in right. the middle. Like it, it's like the fact yeah. bringing in the new president, you know, for $700,000 salary without any mm-hmm. real vetting in the same board of trustees meeting that you oust the sitting president, not for cause. That's all just How do they get away? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to get away with it. But anyway, so the Damon continues, <laughs> even if it was too much for you to maintain, you must feel kind of good. Also, the piece that you wrote is pretty great. We can include Troy's. Is it a scree? Is it a rant? What, what, what would you call that? It's an essay? No, no. I've produced plenty of those. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. It may be yeah, not- which one do you mean? Because <laughs> oh, you were but... you were describing what the Damon, like this white hot thing that is. Oh, right. The most like recent the uh, most recent yeah. hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Medium. Yeah, I just put it up, left it up on Medium. And, not uh, on the Damon. You didn't put that on the Damon. It was... I put a link to it. They put it on the Damon. Okay. I, I said that they could, but yeah, I just yeah. put it back on the Damon. It's been amazing some of the writing that's been happening by New College folks now. And now Grant's been doing really great work tracking all of the news yeah, and reporting. But like the op-eds and the blog posts, you know, it is, I think this is overly optimistic, but I was saying... I was likening this to when Obi-Wan lets Vader strike him down, you know, (laughs) and there is that essence of, in some ways, this is unlocking more of our animus in a way that maybe will generate something positive out of this. When John White, like, changed himself to the palm tree when they have. (laughs) Exactly. I think we all got, like, the letter, the email, what was it, two days ago, asking for more money. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Friday. It was Friday. He sent it out. Yeah, on a, on a Friday. You know, hot, hot news. Yeah, like, really? Jesus Christ! How tone deaf can you be? I I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what would work. I'm not going to do it, and I'm not sure New College is capable of doing it. But I know what would work. What would work? What would work? Tell me what would work. So, okay. The first thing is 
you have to figure out what you want. First thing is there, there are two basic strategies here. You have to burn down something he cares about, meaning DeSantis and his goons, and you have to make the thing he's taking poisonous. Yeah. Okay. The way you do that, the way you burn down something he cares about is you organize a boycott of Florida, which a lot of people would be happy to arrange. And it worked in North Carolina. Now, this would require quite a bit of effort. There are alums who have connections that could get things going. So, you know, all right, Amazon, you want to open a new center. Don't open it in Florida. You know, Boeing, you want to open a new plant. Don't open it in Florida and yeah. so on. And a few stay out of Florida just a little bit. That's the one thing that will hurt dissent because that's what Florida is. is How would that help new college though? Because they could just spin it any way they want. Well, because it would get him out of office and it would get people mad. And so the thing is, it's like, well, you know, I mean, hey, man, you just fascist uh, jackbooted this innocent little school and look what happened. You know, if you're still in office, you know, maybe you ought to ease it on up some. And if not, it'll just be satisfying. Yeah, when it starts going after Disney, I think you'll have a little bit more momentum for doing something. Well, exactly. So, yeah, I'm sure that Disney's not happy. So anyway, the second thing is just use the deep state against him at New College. Yeah. Ask the Department Department of Ed to investigate federal funding for New College and potential irregularities because it's squeaky clean, which probably is. Oh, my God, you don't want that. Secondly, the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, which yeah, okay. is the worst one in the nation, the ones that are most hard ass about, have them investigate. And oh, they're, they're already on. I the, think they. Uh, I think they're okay, planning sure. to lose the accreditation. Yeah. Is what it seems like because because yeah. Hillsdale is not accredited. So I, I feel like they're they're sort of saying, "Yeah, screw it. You know, we don't need we don't need any other thing than it, it's accredited. It's just through a different agency." Fine, that's fine. Maybe right. they can carry that rock. But the whole point is. To carry 40 rocks, right? You keep dropping them. So that's one. Yeah. Federal Department of Ed, and that is something they can't laugh off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they are so dependent on every school. I think some of these things are already happening. Yeah. Okay. Just, just on that their own, be. just spontaneously. There's also emerging. a presidential, there'll be a presidential campaign, though, in the, yeah. before he's elected again in Florida, he'll be running for president like tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so there is something he cares about. So he might, yeah. is, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So finally, I mean, things like reaching out to the AAUP into the Association of American Grad Schools and asking them to forego accepting new college students to their programs after 2024. Mm -hmm. That that might happen, yeah. You know, and so, I mean, that's the whole whole thing. That's what fighting looks like. Yeah. Talking about how great the school is, that's throwing rocks at a tank. Yeah. In good faith, he doesn't care how good it is. That's not the issue. Yeah. Well, thinking as soon as the current crop of students leave they'll just feed in with the students yeah that's that what that's what they're hoping for just goes the problem just goes away. cross it over it doesn't yeah. work like that it does not work like that it's broken it does not work like that it takes years even in at a small scale yeah you know they don't even know how to pay a salary they haven't even lined up years to implement what you're suggesting as well even even if there's well, time you might think you can probably do it in six months the boycott would be the big one and yeah. I think people would be more than happy to do that. It is tricky, though, because it is, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, King Solomon here, right? Like, who's willing to kill the baby? You know, they're really attached to it. So it does feel like they've gone in with a lot of scenarios where it's unfavorable to New College. And 
they don't really care, you know, because it does feel yeah. like if they wanted to start a, a Hillsdale in the South, they could have done it in Tallahassee. Right. Plenty of plenty of Bible colleges would have been, you know, try to be front of the line. Instead, they want to own the libs. They want to yeah. take out a lot of it, I think, is around LGBTQ, too. That's the secret. That's the thing that is not being said out loud it by well. some. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily something you want to say, even in Florida, in certain quarters. Yeah. Because there's a huge LGBTQ population in Florida, and they do vote. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I... Just to be conscious of folks' schedules, right. if you have any concluding thoughts, I'll stop recording after, not before. If you have concluding thoughts, <laughs> I'd love to hear them. I'm trying to figure out how to have more of this, you know, because it, it is therapeutic. Yep. I do find it extremely useful to me just to have people who kind of feel similarly, because we are, it does feel like because there were so few of us that the bonds over a longer horizon become much deeper where if you do see yeah. someone who, you know, went there and now if it does become even like that, there's 8,000 of us and there will be no more of us. Right. It becomes even more Pride. important somehow, you yeah. know. I mean, I've got a fair amount of experience with, with higher ed, both being in it and working in it and being closely involved with people who, you know, worked in it dating a lot of, you know, PhD women. I've dated two people who were on Jeopardy. So put that in my We're mind. on or did they win, Troy? I mean, like, what are we uh, talking? Uh, no, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, actually quite a bit of money. Um, nice. Yeah. Not from Nicole show. So anyway, the point being, I haven't seen this kind of alum ties outside of like, you know, Harvard, it, not even Stanford, you know? So broad based. Mm. Like people at Harvard who have just, you know, oh yeah, that was 30 years oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, yeah. whatever. But here we are still. I mean, talking. Mm -hmm. that's I was learning. talking to my my boss who wrote that blog about me. But, oh um, yeah, that was a, that was a good blog. I like that. He went to Brown, and I was you know chatting about this, and he was asking me because he saw it in the news, and he's like, "What do you care? Like, I couldn't care less what happened to Brown. I already I got my degree and left." And I'm like, "It's different, you know." Yeah. In a nutshell, that's it. And, you know, they failed to capitalize on that for decades. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. yeah, I think we kind of flourished by being forgotten to a certain degree. Yeah.